everybody. I hope it is okay for me to say again, Happy New Year. I'm quite sure you've had people tell you that, and maybe you've even told it to other people, but it is 2022, and a new year always brings excitement. It brings possibility. It brings possibly new dreams that you have for the year. And so, Happy New Year. I hope it is off to a great, great start. And I'm telling you, our team is super excited about this year, what God has done through the bridge and what God is doing through the bridge. It just gives us so much anticipation to see what he's going to do this year in and through our bridge family. And you absolutely are part of our family. So welcome, especially as we begin this brand new series that we're calling FM 20. 22, which simply stands for follow me in 2022. These famous words that Jesus would share with his disciples. And we're going to look at that in just a moment, but I, I, I do have a, a confession uh, that I need to say to you real fast. I don't like the blue dot or the blue line. I just don't like it. Uh, I have a problem with it. And I'm sure you do too, don't you? And, um, you're probably thinking, what's the blue dot in the blue line? What is it? What is it? It's just me. I'm sure it's just me and this is not you. That when I'm looking up an address and I plug it in and I go route or start and I hit that button, it gives me the blue dot and the blue line to get to where I'm wanting to go. Is it just me or are there times you go, no, there's got to be a better way. There's, there's got to be a faster way. And I'm looking, I'm zooming in, and I'm looking at side roads. I'm trying to find a better way other than the blue dot and the blue line. And when I try to get off course, I end up somewhere where I have to go, okay, reroute, try again, you know, all right, let me follow the blue dot and the blue line. It's just me. I'm quite sure you don't have a problem with that, but I do. And that illustration makes my wife and I laugh a whole lot because she knows that about me. She's like, just follow the blue dot and blue line. And it, here's, here's, here's why I love that illustration, though it is very telling about me and issues that I have. But I love that Jesus outlines for us the path to life. He outlines for us the way to experience the best life possible. And it's like he knows the map of our life. He knows the route he wants us to take, but he also knows that we're all prone to not follow that map or him being the, the leader, if you will. And we kind of find ourselves sometimes off of the highways of life into the side ditches at the dead ends of life. And I love that if you've ever experienced that, maybe even recently, that he constantly just reroutes the map. He allows us to see where we are and then gives us an invitation to, okay, Follow me again. Let, let, let's start again. Because here's what he said, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in a couple of weeks, but he talked about how so many people are on this wide road of life. And that is a very, very easy road to be on. Um, but there's like this little side road. It's a narrow road, and it's, it's hard to find. However, he'll let you know where that road is, and it's one that follows him. And those two roads actually have two different destinations. Here's what he said. He said, so many people are on this wide road, but the ending is destruction. That wide road is so well-traveled 
But the end of it, it just leads to a life of despair. It leads to a life that was not well lived. But he says, man, but for those who find this little side road with me, it's narrow. Not many people go on it. But for those who find it, at the end, they find a life well lived and they find life itself with me. And I think that's the invitation that our staff, our team is so excited about letting people know about that for 2022, he just says, I want you to follow me. And it's not a road that a lot of people are on. However, at the end of this year, you will find life with me. And this is the invitation he's made for centuries, believe it or not. And and here's what I wanna do. I want to take us uh, today to the first time those words are mentioned in the Bible where Jesus said those two words, follow me to an individual. Now, I, I kind of give you a little a little background. He, he has some followers uh, up to this point. He hasn't chosen like the, the 12 uh, specifically yet. A few of those are in the mix, but he's just kind of getting going in his ministry. And he's walking along this road uh, with some of his uh, followers. And in Matthew chapter 9, Here's where we find that simple invitation when it's first mentioned in Scripture. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, here's what it says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, let me stop real fast. So this gentleman's name is Matthew. He is sitting at a tax collector's booth because this was his job. This is where he worked. He worked for Rome. As Jesus and the disciples up to this point are following Jesus, and Jesus sees Matthew, get in your head real fast of the worst possible individual you could think of. That's how Jesus' followers would have thought about Matthew. He was a complete traitor to the Jewish people. Um, he would been the scum of the earth to them. They might have even spit on the ground as they passed him. They certainly would not have waved at them. They wouldn't have smiled at him. The anger that would have come from their heart in that moment toward Matthew, I cannot put into words. Yeah, um, think think of the the high schooler who hangs out at the elementary school selling candy that is laced with drugs to elementary kids. Um, Think about someone who has betrayed someone in the whole time in tricking them to take from them everything special to them. Uh, Think about the human traffickers who lure girls in and then sells them overseas and they're gone missing for the rest of their life. Whatever emotions, and we could come up with more illustrations that honestly we don't even want to talk about, but whatever emotions just those few illustrations elicit, those are the emotions the Jewish people would have had for tax collectors like Matthew. Okay, Now here's how this worked. Rome, who was large and in charge, would find a a piece of property, a territory, if you will. And in that piece of property, they would hire a Jewish citizen 
who had to be a little bit wealthy because that piece of property would go on bid, like eBay bid, and they were able to bid on that property to become the tax collector. Now, you made a load of money as a tax collector. Here's why. Rome would partner with you as the tax collector to say, number one, we've got you covered. We've always got your back. If anything happens, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. So now you're partnering with the enemy of the Jewish people. And Rome says, in this particular area, we want 10% of what everybody makes. If you want to charge more than that, go ahead. If you want to charge additional taxes, make them up. Just charge whatever you want. And so they did. So in this area, as a tax collector, there were crossroads tax, there were animal tax, there were wine tax, there was income tax, there was property tax. It was tax after tax after tax. A portion of that tax would go to Rome and you kept whatever you wanted to charge your Jewish brothers and sisters. Rome would use that money to then enslave the Jewish people, as it were, keeping them from freedom, raping their citizens, crucifying them on the side of the road, and you were a part of the Roman culture, but you were a Jewish individual. Do you see how they hated tax collectors? So Jesus and his disciples are walking by. Now, at this point, Jesus could have said anything to Matthew. Let's just be real honest about that. It's not like Jesus didn't know Matthew or his story or his background. And it's not like Jesus didn't know what a tax collector actually did. So Jesus could have stopped at Matthew's booth to look at him and go, I'm sure your mom is quite proud of you, right? I mean, he could have said that. He could have said like, way to represent Matthew. Great job. Great job. Uh, he could have said anything like, um, you know, Matthew, boy, you really destroyed God's plan for your life. And, and listen, here's the thing. Anything Jesus would have said would have been totally appropriate. Anything. It doesn't matter. Whatever he would have said to put Matthew down would have been right on spot. But he didn't. Jesus, few disciples, passing by, this traitor of all traitors, Jesus stops, and here's what it says. Jesus uses these two words, follow me. He, he looks at Matthew and says, follow me. Now, you've got to know when Jesus used those two words, the disciples that were with him would have thought, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't give that invitation to that guy because if he follows you, that means he's with you, which means he's with us, and I'm not with him. I'll never be with him. So just in that one moment, with those two words, do you imagine the tension in the group when Jesus would just say, follow me? They would have completely wanted to revolt against Jesus at this point, as they could not understand why he would make such an offer to this guy. And then it says this in the verse, it says, Jesus said, follow me. And then it says this, and Matthew got up and followed him. <laughs> that Matthew just got up and he followed him. It's, it's, he didn't memorize any prayers. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't say anything. He just got up and followed Jesus. 
See, this, this is amazing. And you have to know, he wasn't like welcomed into the group right then and everybody's high-fiving and hugging. Hey, welcome to the crowd. We're so glad you're here. No, no, no. That would be a distance. And so I'm sure he wanted to get, you know, right up next to Jesus because he wasn't welcome at all. But all he simply did was he got up and followed Jesus. Now, this is a really good question for us to begin the year together. Here's the question. Am I following Jesus? That's it. Not following a religion, not following a church, not following a creed, not following doctrines. Are, are you just following Jesus? See, this is intensely relational. This is so relational. And again, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you what those two words would have meant for a rabbi to invite another Jewish man to follow him. Oh, it's so deep and it's so amazing. You don't want to miss that. But in this moment, in this moment, the question is simply, am I following Jesus, not am I keeping all the rules? And, you know, Christianity is not where we wake up and go, hey, today I'm not going to sin. <laughs> today I'm going to be a better person. That's not the question on the table. The question is, am I following Jesus? He got up and he followed Jesus. Now, again, if you're in the crowd, you're going, Jesus, it can't be that easy. Not for this guy. Maybe for us, because we're not that bad. I mean, we're not like perfect, but we're not that bad. It cannot be that easy. There's something required. There's something he has to do. There's something he has to beg you for. Something has to happen for him to be able to follow you. And Jesus is like, no, I just want him to follow me. That's all I want him to do. It is a different life to follow Jesus. It's not what we think of when we think of church or religion. It's different. And here's where the text picks up at Matthew's house for the party. Here's what it says. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and the disciples. Now, you got to know the disciples are hating this. They didn't want to be near Matthew. And now they're thinking, wait, we have to go to his house? Are you joking me? People are going to know about it. They're going to see us. This is really, really bad for my reputation. So the disciples are hating it, but it says that many tax collectors and sinners were there. Here's why. The tax collectors weren't even in the same category as sinners. That's how horrible they were. It's like sinners didn't want to be even mentioned in the same category as tax collectors. They're like, okay, we're a sinner, but at least we're not a tax collector. Tax collectors were so bad, they weren't allowed onto the premises of the church. In their day, the temple. They weren't allowed to get close to God. They weren't allowed to be made right with God. They were so bad. So the Jewish people now rejected them. The religious people rejected them. So guess where they found their comfort and friendship? With one another. So they hung out together. And their motto really was, hey, listen, we're hated by God. We're hated by the church. We're hated by our people. So let's eat, drink, and be merry because at the end of the day, I guess we all go to hell, but at least we'll go together. And this is how they live their life. And yet what we find is Jesus is eating dinner with them. Now, this is a fascinating statement. Are you ready? Jesus enjoyed being with sinners, and sinners enjoyed being with Jesus. 
don't let don't let that escape you. And you, apparently, this happened a lot in Jesus's ministry, where he was willing to risk his reputation in hopes, in a desire that that individual would understand that Jesus enjoyed being with them. And that person, that lady, that man, that group of sinners would enjoy being with him. And then they would follow him and their life would forever change. Apparently this happened to Jesus all the time and Jesus would put his reputation on the side for the hope and the sake that someone who would consider themselves a sinner, a tax collector, the scum of the earth, I've done too much, I'm too bad, would hear him say, I really enjoy being with you. And I really think you would enjoy being with me. So why don't you follow me? Now, that, that scene isn't enough by itself for us to just think on and talk about for days, but there's even more to it because all of the preachers of the day were watching this go down, known as the Pharisees. Uh, they were the ones who couldn't understand Jesus. They, they, they tried to put him in a box. It didn't work. Well, they see all of this happen. And here's where the story picks up because it says this. When the Pharisees saw all of this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like they couldn't understand it. In other words, they would say, wait, we're holy and he's holy. We're rabbi and he's a rabbi. We're teachers and he's a teacher. We, we love God and he says he loves God, but he's not like us. What is going on? And it wasn't like, hey, tell us so we can follow him too. It was more with condemnation and an accusation of why in the world does your teacher do that? And again, we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks of what that meant, your teacher. We're going to look into that. It's going to be so good. But in this moment, they couldn't figure out why he would be with those people, tax collectors. Ah. Oh, and the sinners, oh, we would never, ever have dinner with them. And then Jesus says this. On hearing this, Jesus said, and think about being Matthew and his friends when you hear Jesus say this. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, think about being Matthew, and you're at the dinner table, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hang on, turn the music down. Hang on just a minute. Jesus, are you... Are you saying that other, like those people out there are healthy and we're the sick ones? Wait a minute, you're a guest in my house for the party. You've invited me to follow you and you're calling us sick? Am I hearing you right? And Jesus would be like, Matthew, Matthew, hey, you're a tax collector. Yeah, you're pretty sick and all of your buddies. And I'm sure they would have been like, yeah, I guess you are right. I mean, uh, and they high five and they're like, yeah, we are sick. You know, I mean, there's this moment to where Jesus calls it what it is. And he's going, yeah, I came to hang out with and be with those who are sick. There is something about some point in life when you realize you're not as healthy as you think you are. There is something about, and maybe it was a tragedy, maybe maybe life, you were on the wide road and you did hit the dead end somehow, some way by your own decisions, and you realize 
You can't make your life better, or in this case, healthier. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried. There is something about the college student who it's not what they thought it was going to be, this college life with so much freedom and the decisions are just kind of spiraling out of control. And there's something about the realization of there's something in me that's sick. There's something about the the man who realizes, man, I, I've got this thing that's out of control. I don't wish it for my wife. I don't wish it for my kids. Oh, oh I don't want my kids to deal with what I deal with inwardly. And there's something about just confessing at least to yourself. I'm not as healthy as I thought I was. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. There's something about the lady who just realizes, man, why at the end of a hard day do I have to have this to calm down? Why is it that I go to this in times of stress and anxiety? There's something about just realizing and acknowledging, I think I'm sick. See, it's in those moments that Jesus looks at us and I think he just says these words, follow me. You are the reason I came. And the same invitation for the worst of the worst of the worst is on the table for you. It's a narrow road, very few find it. But for those who do, they actually find life. So would you just follow me? Would you follow me? And, and, and I love what Jesus adds at this point because it's pretty important. Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's actually the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. This is so important. All the Pharisees did would learn. They would just learn, 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 memorize, learn, memorize, learn, memorize, learn, memorize, learn. And he says, I want you to go learn something else. <laughs> I'm here for mercy on those who know they're sick. That's what I came for, to give them mercy. And I did not come to call. And this is th that phrase, come to call, come to call. I'm always calling. I'm always calling. That's why I came. I came to call those who would say, I'm a sinner. And I need help. See, th this is so different because the Pharisee motto, you'll see it on the screen. The Pharisee motto was change and you can join me. Jesus comes on the scene and he has a different motto. Join me and you will change. Jesus said, just wherever you are, right where you are, just join me. Just follow me and you will change over time. Not in an instant, maybe not overnight, but you will change if you follow me. So as we look at this new year, FM 2022, where we have all hated the blue dot and blue line and we've gone off course on our own at different times in 2021, 2022 is a time where we can go, I wanna be back on track, I wanna reroute, and I want to follow you. Let me give you three things about following Jesus. Here's the first thing. Following Jesus requires that you are a sinner first. <laughs> you might think, check, I got that. No, this is really important, right? I mean, Jesus came for sinners. If you didn't know that, that includes all of us. <laughs> Not one of us has this thing down perfect. And he came for sinners. Now, here's what that really means, though, and this is the part I want you to hear. There's no sin that disqualifies you from following him. There's no past that disqualifies you from following him. 
There's no habit. There's no regret. There's no, but here's what I did. Anything in your past that would check the box that qualifies you as a sinner qualifies you to follow him. Follow me is what he said. I want you to follow me regardless of your past. First requirement, you would acknowledge I'm a sinner. Second requirement is it doesn't require you to know everything, right? Following Jesus isn't about having all the answers. I had a phone call just last week from an individual who is, is teetering on following Jesus or not following Jesus. Grew up in church, got away from church, went down the wide path of life and has experienced a lot of destruction in his life. And so now he's asking a lot of questions about Jesus. And his questions were so much about the Bible and how can we trust it? And okay, what about this? And you know, well, if Jesus actually, and listen, they were great questions, great, great questions. And I told him, I said, there is a time and a place to ask our questions that we've wondered about. There is a time and a place to, answer, to ask the questions that we think, are there answers to these questions? But here's what I told him. I said, but what if you get all of those answers to all of your questions and you miss Jesus? I said, what, what have you really gained in life? Uh, all you gained was knowledge. That was the Pharisees. They had all of this knowledge and yet they missed Jesus. It was the exact same thing. And so having all the answers isn't needed to follow Jesus. It's just knowing I just want to follow him. Jesus says, awesome. That's all I'm looking for is a heart that would say, yes, I want to follow you. And that's the third point I want to make about following Jesus. It is simply saying yes to a relationship. Following Jesus means you're saying yes to a relationship. You're looking at Jesus and you're hitting the like button and you're hitting the follow button. And I want a relationship with you. And I'm saying yes to following you. You don't have all the answers. You might not even have everything right in your life. You might have some things that you're still struggling with in your life. But at this point in your life, you want to say yes to following him. That is what it takes to follow Jesus. And apparently, from the first time it's mentioned in Scripture, that invitation goes out to anyone who would think they're the worst of the worst, to anyone who thinks they screwed up so much God would never, never have them in his church building. That invitation stands for all of us, where Jesus says this year, in 2022, follow me. It is saying yes to a relationship, not a religion, not the Ten Commandments, not a code, <laughs> not even theology. It's to an individual, and his name is Jesus. And if that's what you want to do today, you want to start 2022 off by following Jesus. I want to pray with you, and then I want to give us all something that we can do this month. But if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to following you. I don't have it all together. I don't even know a whole lot, to be honest. But I know enough about you that I recognize I need you. And I admit I'm a sinner 
just like Matthew, just like the other sinners at the party that you were at. And the best way I know how, I ask for your forgiveness and I become a follower of yours today. I need salvation, I need help, and I need you. So thank you for allowing me to follow you starting today. God, thank you for changing my life today. Thank you for making me your child today. And God, I'm so grateful for what you're doing at the bridge. God, I'm so grateful that we're starting this month, a new year, by talking about what it means to follow you personally. God, so intensely relational, just saying yes to a person. And it's in this relationship with you that you change us. You make us into who you want us to be. God, it is not the the easiest route of life, but it is certainly the best route of life because that's exactly what it leads to, life found in you. So God, thank you for those who said yes to you this month in following you to start this year. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.